Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline. I'm Frank Rossi. Turfgrass Hotline is brought to you by our partners at Trijet, the only machine that aerates top dresses and amends all in one pass. Intelligro, makers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more. And the Plant Food Company, developing professional nutrient management programs since 1946. Difficult days of August are here, and for those struggling with abiotic and biotic stress, a Civitas turf defense program could be just what the doctor ordered. A decade of research and use in the golf and sports turf industries has demonstrated the value of being on a Civitas program. Civitas activates plant defenses and helps you sustain turf under siege from pests and abiotic stress, such as traffic and drought. Learn more about Civitas turf defense, available from a variety of distributors throughout the U.S. and Canada, in pre-mixed and ready-to-mix formulations, or visit CivitasTurfDefense.com. Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline. I'm back here with my pal, Rich Buckley. As the summer's winding down, I feel like the problems are going to start kicking up. Let's start talking about the sort of rage of turf loss that's probably happened because of the record heat and some places record moisture. What kind of shape is the turf in right now in the summer in the Northeast in mid-August? Well, good morning. And I guess the best word to describe it all is pretty ugly. (laughs) We had a pretty big sample rush through the end of July. Soil temperatures, depending on where you are here in the Northeast, it's either pretty wet or it's pretty dry. Either extreme causes issues. Uh, A lot of roots evaporated and we started getting a lot of abiotic stress, you know, samples, temperature and moisture, scalping, anaerobic soils, a lot of general malaise. So more abiotic, the abiotic samples are starting to take over. Yeah, we turned abiotic near the end of July. That, I think, is going to switch back to disease, but uh, uh, we're seeing the grass has just worn out. Okay, so summer patch. Can we start with summer patch and the root problems? Let's start from the ground up. Take all in summer patch. I've seen fairy ring. What other kinds of soil problems are we seeing? Pythium root rot where it's wet. Right. All of the above. Uh, Last Saturday, I worked and every sample was summer patch. Huh. Pythium root rot, a little bit of fairy rings, they're starting to pop up. This thatch collapse type fairy ring, I've seen a couple of samples of that. Huh. But yeah, you know, that's one of the themes in my lab is disease that are hard to diagnose in the field, you know, like summer patch and pythium root rot um, are the ones that come in most frequently. So we're, we're, we're definitely seeing that. Okay. So let me ask you about the root problems. Okay. Is it really summer patch taking it out? Or is it that there's all this other stuff and the summer patch is there? You know, as a diagnosis, are you saying it's summer patch for all these samples or I'm finding summer patch everywhere? Ah, well, that's a good question. What, what, what came first? Ah. You know, and, and the summer patch is there. The fungus is always there. The question I always have when I'm looking at samples is how much root damage do I see and how much of this fungus do I see on the roots? Right. So if I'm calling out a summer patch sample, I wouldn't say a textbook example of ectotrophic hyphae on the roots, but I'm finding a lot of fungus activity. I'm finding a lot of damaged roots and turf grass in that situation, regardless of cause, is going to fail when it gets hot and dry or hot and wet. A lot of guys are using uh, summer patch fungicides, you know, especially at the high end clubs in the northeast. They're making two, maybe three apps in the spring for summer patch and fairy ring. Rich, are our control programs failing? Are these areas that are untreated? Talk to me about how this becomes so bad when it seems like it's on our radar. 
well, here's the thing. We had a really good spring for the fungus. The soil temperatures were in the 70s for a long time. We had pretty adequate soil moisture. If you're dry, you might have been watering, you know, if, and, and down here it was raining. So you got disease pressure coming from a good condition for the fungus, right? And then you got guys who aren't very precise in their application timing. I think the first treatment in the spring, the timing is really important. And if you're not measuring soil temperatures, you know, then you're going to miss the timing. And if you miss it, then you're kind of out of luck later in the season. Was there so much fungus that even a good fungicide wouldn't have done the job? There was plenty of fungus and there was also extra stress. We had all those hot days in, in July. So we're losing roots from soil temperature and heat and we have a lot of fungus. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's more than one thing. It's the cumulative effect of, of, of all this, this stuff, fungus and environment. All right. What about fairy rig? You mentioned fairy ring. You even snuck in a little thatch collapse there. That's very subtle. Where, where did that come from? And how worried are you that this might get even worse in the next few weeks? Well, the thatch collapse came from the Pacific Northwest. So okay. I probably shouldn't even talk about it. Um, the fairy rings are just starting to pop up in the rough areas and surrounds and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Literally, it, it rained probably three quarters of an inch about a half an hour ago here. Oh. So with these pop-up storms and heavy rains and, and, and warm temperatures, I would expect them to start popping up in areas that have historical problems. So let's almost leave the soil and give you a chance to talk about uh, annual bluegrass weevil. Are you still finding any of them in samples? Yes, I, I absolutely am. And the good Dr. McGraw said it wasn't that bad of a year. They weren't finding them because it was so dry. And, and he thinks that they're moving into areas that are irrigated, which are collars and greens. And so I'm finding them in the plugs, you know, and I think that's the reason they're in the areas where there's more water. At least I believe him. And if I'm pulling them out of plugs, then that means to me that there's a lot of them out there because that's a problem that there's a lot of awareness. So I see dead grass and I don't get the critters in there. So. Okay. And so are you ascribing some of the damage? Are you diagnosing some of the damage you're seeing to these later generation ABWs? Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and the most recent samples were all pupae, you know, but uh, two weeks ago I was pulling the larvae out and pulling out a dozen out of a cup cutter size plug. And that's a pretty significant population. And you know, what's interesting, Rich, now that I want to transition to the foliar diseases and issues, but in, in fact, one of the things I hear you saying is, listen, there's a lot of feeding, there's root damage, but it's the other stresses that we're getting, these abiotic things, whether it's too dry or you're getting these dump storms, it's been really hot. We could be having maybe normal pest pressure, but abnormal uh, environmental stress. And those things collectively are causing turf to fail. Yeah, I would agree with that uh, statement 100%. You know, it, it's the cumulative effect. You know, we can tolerate a lot of insect feeding or, or, or some summer patch if we have higher cut turf and we have good conditions, right? And, and so uh, again, it, it, that abiotic, it's gonna kill your grass outright, yeah. or it's gonna help all these pathogens. You know, we haven't even mentioned the word anthracnose no, yet. No, no, right. Starting to see that too, so. Okay, so there you go. So that would be the last one. That would be the transition to the top part of the plant. How much anthracnose are you seeing? And it, is it a result of the cumulative stress that's been out there? 
Yeah, uh, yes. And we're, yes. And, and it's just starting to creep in into the sample. So it, it's not a ton yet, but I suspect that we'll get more as we push into August. The tropical storm we had knocked out power for a lot of people. And they, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people told me they didn't have pumps for three or four days. And now they got raging anthracnose, you know, a, a week later. That's right. And you guys have done the great work there in figuring out, you know, how dryness and all these other factors are contributing it to it. And even managing nitrogen, you know, these guys are probably caught between, well, I need nitrogen for my anthracnose, but am I going to stimulate brown patch? There's a lot of concerns about using nitrogen in the heat at these times. So yeah, you, you've got yourself in a pickle. And I guess it reminds me, of the saying you and I have said sometimes we're in situations now we can't spray ourselves out of. Uh, absolutely. You know, you, <laughs> as good as the fungicides are now, you know, I think back to when I started 30 years ago, man, we got all kinds of good fungicides now. And uh, it doesn't matter how much you spray. You can't resurrect dead grass. And at a certain point, you know, just because there's fungus on it doesn't mean that spraying is going to fix the problem. You know, the root zone issues are huge, you know, just all kinds of uh, unanticipated situations pop up. Well, on the flip side of that, if you've been able to keep your turf blemish free or at least to a tolerable level of damage from whatever's happening or your programs are working, you know, now's not the time to let up. It's already been a long season for a lot of guys for the pandemic and then the stressful weather. And so obviously we want to encourage those guys to keep on it. Because the pressure, as you would say, is still out there. Yeah. Look, we still got disease pressure into September. And in the lab, sample numbers, you know, stay steady until about the mid to late August when guys start to airify and and get ready for the fall and that sort of thing. And then we get through Labor Day and I get another peak of samples. Right. Summer patch and anthracnose and and that, that sort of stuff at that time. You also have dollar spot pressure coming on pretty hard. And so you need to manage almost until October. Well, and that's the difference, you know, is in the past, it used to be cool nights. You didn't get a lot of problems. We didn't have late season dollar spot. And now we've, we've both missed the big one, gray leaf spot. Where's the gray leaf spot at? Well, we have it in the farm, you know, in the fungicide trials. We try to get it there. We have it in the breeding program. Um, I've seen... Sample from the field in tall fescue in in uh, the tall fescue surround areas in a in a middle New Jersey course, mm-hmm. um, little sports field, ryegrass uh, with some. It's not a huge issue yet, but it's definitely there. So uh, it's something that if you're growing ryegrass or tall fescue, you probably would serve you to go out and look a little closer. Would you hold off seeding? No, because I would be using uh, improved varieties. Do the improved varieties have resistance when they're seedlings? If the disease pressure is high enough, I think it can break it down. You know, resistance isn't absolute. Mm-hmm. But if you're blending varieties and you haven't seen a lot of gray leaf spot in your particular location, uh, you know, guys aren't talking about it, then I would go for it. We have the window, you know, you can always spray it. <laughs> so are, are we still confident that the re- resistance is present in the rye and now maybe they're finding some in tall fescue or has the organism changed enough where previously resistant varieties may not be as resistant? I haven't seen anything in the literature about resistant varieties changing. That, that, that's a good question. I remember way back 
where they were looking at the genetics of this fungus and the ability to attack ryegrass was a single gene, you know? So I don't think it's like a rust or something or a smut that's huh. going to adapt. Okay. Then again, I may not be a hundred percent right. The varieties get better, you know, and the older ones maybe fail or weren't as good, but I don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry about it like a rust. But that said, they're still constantly trying to improve the grasses that we have. That's right. So listen, let's wrap up with our old friend dollar spot that comes on more intensely in the fall. And I got to say, feels different in the fall. It, it looks like it goes down and it pits. I wonder if it's because we're slowing our growth rate later in the season and the fungus can do that. Can you talk a little bit about when you start to see, uh, and I think you did, right? Right after aerification, uh, the turf's recovering, the days are still long. Typically, the middle of September to the middle of October can be great growing weather. Is that also when we start to see intense late fall dollar spot? That's great time for dollar spot. You know, I've always been taught that it was warm days and cool nights. Right. You know, the big temperature swing and you get a lot of moisture in the, in the canopy. And we know from all the research with dragging and mm-hmm. Guy at Rutgers was on his hands and knees with paper towels, blotting the plot, you know, and getting control. So, yeah. so we know that moisture is important. And, and I think that, you know, we got cooler night temperatures. We got a lot of moisture in the canopy. We got good weather for it. And that's what drives it. And at the end of the day, is it your experience that these guys have to be on preventative programs for these things? Again, this is going to be a big problem in these long, expensive fairways, uh, you know, wonderful fairways and immediate rough. Yeah. Obviously, you don't see a lot of dollar spot as a problem on putting greens, probably see it a little bit on tees. But I think we're really talking about these large areas. You know, they've got to start uh, making applications when? I would be ready soon that way. I would be following the model. And if the Smith Kearns model says go, I'd be going. And that model you think is just as good what you've seen for fall uh, pressure as you do for the rest of the season. No reason to think it's not effective in the fall as well. Uh, The data that that I've seen from Rutgers, the disease follows the model really closely, you know, And, and I think I would continue to follow the model. That said, if I have bent grass in my fairways, I'd be buying the new improved varieties and working them in. So you got resistance, you got the model, you got data-driven decisions, and we got all kinds of good fungicides that'll control it. You need to be aware that this is coming and, and pay attention to the tools that you have and make applications accordingly. Buckley is the director of Rutgers University's Diagnostic Clinic. The Diagnostic Lab services thousands of turf grass and landscape professionals across the country and is part of the National Plant Diagnostic Network, providing pest and plant pathogen surveillance for the Northeast U.S. Get more info on the Rutgers Lab and sample submission at njes.rutgers.edu backslash plant diagnostic lab or search Rutgers Plant Diagnostics. The Turfgrass Hotline is brought to you by our friends at Dryject, the only machine that aerates top dresses and amends in one pass. Intelligro, makers of Civitas, a fungicide that's so much more, and the plant food company developing professional nutrient management programs since 1946. The Turfgrass Hotline is recorded and produced at Rep Studios in downtown Ithaca, New York by Nate Richardson, Big Thanks to marketing and business management, John Kiger, and executive producer, Peter McCormick. I'm Frank Rossi. Thank you for joining me.